0: This episode, as always, is brought to you by our Patreon subscribers. Could not be here without them. Love every one of you to death. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. And with that note, a uh, very interesting weekend. Whew, boy, I had some... I, I've I've ridden a wave with the draft. But we bring on Drew Way today to talk about all the prospects and going through the entire draft. At one point, I stopped paying attention and repeat something Greg said. Hope you guys all enjoy, and here we go. Here's the episode. Hey fans, welcome to another week of the Butcher Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I almost forgot my name. Greg, say hello.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, we also have Drew. Hey, Drew! What's up? What's up, man? We brought you on for a reason. And you know what that reason is? The draft happened. I know. I know oh, what you're I did thinking. It. Wow, I, did, I, I
1: didn't notice.
0: <laughs> you only wrote a lot of things for it and uh, prepared yourself and did a lot of research. What? There's so I'm much not- that happened. and But yet so yeah. little. So I, I guess I want to start this by saying... Uh, what was your instant reaction? Because Greg and I are going to go into our sort of night at the MSG draft party.
1: Well, my instant reaction is, all you on Twitter need to calm the fuck down. Whoa! <laughs> um, <laughs> seriously, like, I mean, I, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here before uh, we to sure. get to what I thought about the, uh, the draft. Uh-huh. But uh, people ha- do this thing on Twitter, and, and just in general, where they, they have their list or the guy they want. And then the Rangers go up and pick, and it's not that guy they want. And because it's not that guy they want, they immediately assume it was a fucking trash pick. And, and, and it's just so stupid, that, that mentality. Um, I mean, this is why I published a piece all about draft tiers, trying to push on people this, hey, there's these large tiers of players that are similarly ranked. And, you know, there might not be that big of an actual difference between, say, the eighth and the 15th guy or wherever. And especially after you get past the third round in the draft, it's like throwing darts at a dartboard for a lot of these teams. And so just like it's hilarious to me watching these people just utterly lose their shit like like they're reacting like they just found out henrik was just like died in a car accident because yeah, some like kid that. they didn't hear of in the sixth round and so i just like everyone just needs to relax and stop being a slave to your rankings like just understand that you know there are these tiers there's these ranges yeah there were some bad picks there were some good picks too and there was a lot of overreaction just everyone needs to chill out
2: yeah I'd, I'd, i think uh I don't remember a lot of wow. Oh wow, Greg. I are you got what, a voice are, are before you, we Oh this my podcast.
0: god, you sound like shit.
2: I don't know what just happened. We were talking for <laughs> ten minutes before we started recording, and I don't oh, I honestly no. don't know what's happened since then. Oh, no. Go, go, take a drink of water. <laughs> uh, oh. No, I really. I'm just gonna power through this. I really have no idea what happened. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> we we were seriously talking for ten minutes before we started recording, I know, and now this now is going You
0: sound like you're going through you okay uh i'll talk for greg while he he searches his voice real quick Uh yeah (laughs) RIP headphone users my bad i'll try and amplify that um Uh so we were at the draft party and we got we msg held the whole big draft party if you didn't hear was at msg and you were able to go to like the hulu theater and and sit there and be sad with other ranger fans so once (coughs) wallstrom was still on the board for us along with dobson we sat there and said, wow, I can't believe we were going to get the guy we want. Wallstrom was – and again, I want to reiterate to everyone out there that I know nothing at all. I, I think Wallstrom's good because I've been told Wallstrom's good. Have I watched a lot of tape? No. Did I watch his, like, nine-year-old tricks? Yeah, I did. They were pretty cool. Um, but Wallstrom was the guy I had my heart set on, and then we took Karsoff. Kar- I'm not going to fuck this up. Karsoff? Karsoff. Yeah, you
2: fucked it up already. Kravsoff.
0: Kravsoff. Kravsoff, yeah. Right on brand. We took Kravitz off and I was disappointed because it just felt like I was more sad because I knew the Islanders were, were going to go Wall, uh, Wallstrom Dobson immediately after us. And it was like a foregone conclusion. And I sat there and watched it happen than I was about our pick. Um, they brought out Adam Graves afterwards to like try and, you know, make the crowd feel better. <laughs> like immediately. <laughs> they were like, Adam, what do you think of the pick? He was like, This is a guy, you know, I, we've been looking at for a long time. He was the guy we thought was the best player available. And we thought he could be a top three winger where we didn't feel that way about the other players. Now that could be true or not. I'm not sure. I don't know anything. So again, that's why we brought you on, Drew. But that, he has a higher ceiling, right? He's a riskier pick.
1: Uh, Greg, do you want to give your thoughts before I chime in here?
2: Uh, I'll try. You're just going to have to deal with the voice. I yeah. Think at this point.
1: Yeah, this will be a good one.
2: Um, I don't know if I vocalized it to Ryan. It sounds like I vocalized a lot of things this weekend. Yeah, did. I, I kind of hope this was one of them. I think when the Rangers passed on Wallstrom, I said, Kravtsov is a good pick. As in, Kravtsov, the individual in a vacuum, you you can't be angry that he was your guy at nine. The thing that happened was we all wanted Wallstrom. I think everyone in that theater wanted Wallstrom. And the fact that he was on the board and not the selection made people hate the pick. But I don't think that's fair to Kravtsov at all. The thing that stings about this draft is not anything to me what the Rangers did. Uh, I think we're going to – we'll talk a little bit about the goalie they took at 39, not necessarily just, – just the overreaction to that entire selection. In, in a, Again, in a vacuum, if you just look at what the Rangers did in the first round, Krabsov, Miller, and Lundqvist, that's a really good first round. That's pretty much as good a first round you could have hoped for before the draft started. The thing that sucks is the Islanders ended up getting two top 10 guys – and, and then the Devils eh, took Ty Smith.
1: Eh. And yeah, it, de- the Devils taking Ty Smith hurts a lot more than the Islanders taking Noah Dobson. I know George is probably listening to this right now, wanting to rip his earbuds out. But I like Ty Smith more than Noah Dobson. And the Devils getting Ty Smith at 17, that was like a kick in the nuts to me.
2: Yeah, it, it, I, don't, I think if you look at just what the Rangers did individually as a Ranger fan, I really don't think – w- we're going to argue about what they did in the second round, I'm sure. But as a whole, I don't think you can be that pissed off. Drafts after the first round are crapshoots. Drafts after the first 20 picks are crapshoots yeah. in the NHL. The odds of anyone the Rangers took outside of the first round are 5% of any of them becoming an all-star. And that goes for every player drafted after the first round. It's not just the Rangers pick. It's really hard to find talent outside the first round. It doesn't happen that often in the NHL. It's just, it's just a fact of the game. It The Rangers, they took – a high-impact forward who has top-level experience already playing in the KHL. They took arguably one of the two players with the highest ceilings with their second pick that they traded up for. And I, I guess for lack of a better term, they took a known quantity with their third pick, who again has been playing high-level hockey in Europe, and we have a safe assumption that we know what he's going to be at the next level. I, I, just, I don't know how you can look at that first round and be like, oh, this team fucking sucks, fire Gordon. Gordie How, Gordie yeah. Clark doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Like, fine, you, be angry that the Rangers took 27 defensemen with the rest of their picks. That's fine. How many times in this podcast, Ryan, have you and I talked about the fact that a third-line defenseman like Nick Holden is going to get $3 million this offseason? A uh, good amount. You know what I would rather have than a $3 million Nick Holden? A third-pairing defenseman on his entry-level contract. And the, if the Rangers have to stack up their system by making 10 defensive picks in one draft to guarantee that one of those 10 will definitely be a third-pairing defenseman to save $3 million they can spend elsewhere, do it every time. Yeah. So
1: my turn now. Um What I'll say first is that, you know, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on Kraftstoff. Um He arguably has as high of a ceiling, if not a little bit higher than Wallstrom. Now I had Wallstrom ranked fourth overall in my ranks. So I'm not going to sit here and act like I was happy. They took Kraftstoff off over uh, Wallstrom. But what I tweeted out right afterwards was like, am I disappointed they passed on Wallstrom? Of course. But that doesn't mean that this is a bad pick. It's actually quite a good pick. I was talking with Tobias Patterson, you know, friend of the podcast, and and someone else on Twitter about a week ago. And we were going through like different machinations of how this draft could go. And we both agreed that, you know, if the guys we really like are gone by the time nine's up, Kravstov is a perfect pick at nine. You know, if Tobias really wanted Bach first at nine. He's a huge Bach fan. That one I wasn't quite on board with. But I, we both agreed that Kravstov is a guy that would be a perfect, you know, high upside flyer swing at number nine if all the guys we really wanted were gone. So what happens, one of the guys we really wanted was still there at nine in Wallstrom. So everyone was disappointed. But just because you're disappointed they passed on your guy, again, doesn't mean Kraftstoff is a bad pick. Um, with the rest of the first round, I liked it quite a bit. Um, you know, I kind of hockey stat miner did this thing. Hey, everyone, give me your draft grades. I said I gave the first round a B plus, but with the caveat of I would have given it an A if they sat at twenty six and took Ke- Keandre Miller at twenty six. I understand the rumor was the Maple Leafs wanted them, so they had to jump in front of them. You didn't need to give up the second round pick based on historical precedent and how uh, you know how much these draft pick slides cost. You didn't need to give up that. Uh, the 48th pick to make that jump from 26 to 22 so them overpaying to make that jump lowered my grade a bit but i'm perfectly happy with all three players keandre miller is arguably the best athlete in the entire draft he just became a defenseman two like or three last
0: no it was like two years ago he was a yeah, forward. Two or, yeah
1: two or three years ago he finally became a defenseman and he's done really well with the u.s team um you know his again he's a very high ceiling player he's like I said, arguably the best athlete in the draft. He's a powerful skater. Like when you watch that kid skate, you're like, holy shit. Um, and he, he's a smart player. He's got a high IQ. I mean, if he didn't have a high hockey IQ, he would never be this quality of a defenseman already after a couple of years. Um, you know, he's a big physical kid as well. He's like 6'4, 200 something pounds, but again, yeah. still skates like the wind. Um, And he's got, like, a pretty heavy shot. He has decent puck skills. I mean, he won't, like, dazzle you with, like, his puck handling skills or anything like that. But he does everything pretty well. And he's still learning the goddamn position. Um, I mean, did I – again, I didn't have Keandre Miller ranked 22nd. I think I had him, like, 34th. Um, that was done before the Combine. I'm told he really impressed at the Combine. If I did updated my drafts, I would have bumped him up a little bit. But again, to the concept of tiers, he was a perfectly fine pick at 22. Would I have traded up for him? Probably not. But you know what? The Rangers targeted him as the guy they really wanted. I felt they overpaid a bit for it. But whatever, he was a, a fine player to take there. And then Niels Lundqvist, I like a lot. Um, Lundqvist is more of the puck-moving type. He's got a little bit more of like that dynamic ability to him. Some people don't like his skating, Um, like Corey Promin, for example, doesn't think he's a good skater. I've seen other scouts that said he's actually a very good skater, Um, but his skating is what everyone kind of disagrees on, but he does everything else well. He's a pretty good defender already. Um, I mean, he's still only 17, he turns 18 in July, so he's an early birthday, uh, you know. you know he's one of the younger kids in the class he's 5 foot 11 but a little bit like Zuccarello he uses a really long stick and that allows him to be a really good stick defender and he also has great gap control in his own zone for a player his age so he's a pretty good two-way defenseman but then he also has great instincts in the offensive zone he's good with the puck on his stick he's patient he's a good passer he's got a pretty nice wrist shot um. Every once in a while, he'll aggressively pinch, and that'll hurt him. But again, he's 17; he's still learning. He was a fantastic pick at at 26, right there. I was all for that, or 28, wherever the hell that pick was.
0: I believe it was 28.
1: Yeah, 28, 28.
0: Um, he he was other. There was just so many people on the board, and was there a guy that was available there that you would have rather had, or like who were the guys that got taken right before or right after the, uh, these picks where you were like, "God damn it."
1: Did no, you, honestly, at twenty. I mean, in our mock draft that we did, I uh, I don't remember who made the either George or Sean made the pick at twenty six. I think it was George, and he took Nils Lundqvist, and I was on board with that. We, I think, I had Lundqvist ranked in the early to mid twenties, like that. That pick at him at twenty eight, I was very very happy with. Um, I, the only the only name I can remember being on the
2: board even at twenty two, which is when they took Miller, was Bach was still there. Yes, so, yeah, Bach. Bach.
1: Bach was there at 22, but I don't think he was there at 28. Bach
2: he wasn't there at 28. I think yeah. he got taken at 27. When
1: they, traded, when they traded up, Bach was the guy that was like, oh, I hope we just traded up for Bach.
2: It, it felt like it. I, I was, uh, we were at the bar with Woj at that point, and he and I were saying that uh, Bach was the guy we wanted right there.
1: Yeah, I mean, Bach was on the board, Akil Thomas was still on the board who I had who I had ranked higher, but he didn't end up going to like the 40s for some reason.
2: Joe Valeno was
1: on the board who actually was the highest ranked guy I had left on the board and he didn't go till 30.
0: Yeah, so I have a question uh, about that. Like what uh-huh. did you hear any rumors about why Joe Valeno fell so far? I don't-
1: I, I I didn't. I mean, again, I was down in LBI, kind yeah, of just yeah. relaxing on the couch, drinking a beer, watching the draft with like my son next to me. Right. Um. I saw some chatter that maybe his interviews didn't go well or character stuff, but to be honest, I don't know. I know last year, you know, Valeno was an exception. You know, had that exceptional player status, so he was able to join the junior leagues a year early. Last year, he was actually having a pretty shit season, but then he got traded halfway through the year and then was amazing the second half of the year. So maybe there's like a work ethic thing. Teams are afraid that, you know, because he was on a shit team, he wasn't doing well. So it's, you know, uh, you know it doesn't have the work ethic or the mentality that some teams are looking for. Probably some stupid-ass old grumpy white man thing like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's probably it. Uh, one, one thing I'll say, though, I do want to caveat what I just said. Like, I know I, I downplay character and I always do say, like, go for talent. In later rounds, especially, like, character and motor matters a lot. Um, You know, the reason – if you're being a late-round pick, you're probably not the most talented kid in the world. I mean, yes, there are kids that you can get in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round that have various talents but have huge holes in their game. Character and work ethic matter a lot in those late rounds because that's how you go from a late-round pick to, like, a bona fide NHL player. Like, Jesper Foss, for example, didn't go from a late-round pick – to an NHL player just because he was purely talented. He did it because he worked his ass off and worked harder than everyone else around him for years. And and that kind of stuff, in my opinion, matters a lot more towards the end of the draft than the beginning because, you know, it's really fucking hard to make the NHL. And if you do have someone who is lazy, like, you better have a coach that can somehow kick his ass in gear because there are very few players in this world that can make the NHL on just raw talent alone.
0: I... I, I think – well, when you're talking about character itself, and I know you said the character in the first round isn't as as big of a factor, but I, I, watched, me, yeah. I, watched, I watched Miller's interview, and that guy has, like, Captain written all over him.
1: Oh, yeah. the kid's – and he's just a great personality, and that's one thing I love. Like, I'm so sick of all these boring-ass Sidney Crosby types. Like, man, you know, um, yeah, you know, we had a good game, and, uh, like, it's <laughs> up already. Like, and I know it's not always the player's fault. It's the PR staff's clamped down like crazy. The coaches are – Old grumpy white dudes who don't want their players, you know, having a personality. So it's I can't blame it all on the players. The NHL's terrible at marketing, but like it's always so refreshing when you see a kid that actually has a personality. Keandre, um, of, he seems like he's like twenty-five.
2: Uh, since we're Ryan and I were at the draft party, you know who's got a shit ton of personality? Leah Anderson. Yeah, that oh guy, yeah, surprised me at all. coming out of his asshole. Absolutely
0: does, uh, and, and
2: he, he, made, he made a joke about not throwing his gold medal into the the stands because he won it at the World Cup or uh, the the World, world Champions Championships.
0: Championships.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was probably the probably the funniest thing he said the entire day. And, Anyone and, said and, the entire and, day, and
0: even Hede was like, you know, we going forward we have Lees as a leader. I was like, oh, oh wow.
2: Yeah, yeah, and uh, just my heart broke for Ryan Lindgren. That is, he, I, I don't think he's blessed with intellectual uh, ability. <laughs> Liger is an idiot? Yeah, he seemed like an idiot. <laughs> the, uh, the, English, the English language was challenging to him. Brett Howden, and, though. And, Brett, he was, and he's Minnesotan.
0: Brett Howden looks like a young Justin Timberlake.
2: Oh, no. Yeah. One look at Brett Howden made me say we could trade Brady Shea for anything because we got ourselves a new uh, we, got, we got ourselves a new uh, Prince Charming just nice. waiting, ready to go. He's a he's good-looking yeah. dude. But, yeah, it was cool a, that they brought those guys great out. Great
1: nice. Um, do you guys have any other thoughts you wanted to get out about the first round? Like I said, I was happy with the first round. Did they overpay to move up? Sure. Was it disappointing that we passed on Wallstrom? Sure. But when you just look at the players in the vacuum, like Greg said, that was a very, very good first round.
2: Uh, yeah, the the thing that I I was telling people that we were sitting with that I would have loved to trade up to six to get Sadina because he was still there. But yeah, I think the, Reds, fucking- the, the, Re- the,
0: the Red Reds Wings Kings. hung up, bro. They hung up immediately.
2: <laughs> yeah, the, Re- the Red Wings were fucking thrilled that Zadina was still on the board at six, and unless the Rangers were trading all three first-round picks, they weren't going to do it. And even then, they still might not do it.
1: Oh, and one other tiny little rant. Enough with this bullshit. Um, oh, this is what happens when you get an analytics guy to run a team. Every time Arizona does something stupid, they people use it as an excuse to make fun of analytics with Chaka. If Chayka was using analytics to make that pick, Barrett fucking Hayton wasn't the pick at five. So enough with this this shit already with throwing analytics in everyone's face every time Arizona does something silly
2: no Arizona Arizona very Arizona and the Canadians both drafted for need and that's why they deserve to be uh be shit on if any if anything it was analytics that gave the Rangers more reason to draft Krasov more than anything else I just looking at that guy what he does in Russia you could go beyond the numbers there and really figure something out you, you want to
1: hear something kind of funny yes Coat Kanyami probably well I don't know if I could say probably but it's probably like a fifty-fifty chance that he's not even a center. He doesn't play center in Liga, in the Finnish pro league. He played. Nah, he
2: only did it in what international competition,
1: and and not even in the juniors. Yeah, but when he was when he played with, I think he played a bit with the internationals with the older guys in Finland, and then he was on the wing again. I mean, I know obviously with you younger, you'll be on the wing, but it's. I everyone keeps insisting he's a center. I'm like, you know, he hasn't played that much center in the last year.
2: It's okay. You're talking about an organization that couldn't figure out Alex Galchenyuk. I, I don't know if they exactly know what the fuck they're doing.
1: Um, yeah, seriously. Uh, and it was a, it was a
2: Canadians writer who said the biggest reach in the first round was the Rangers passing on Wallstrom, and I immediately retweeted him, just saying, "You're, you're going to do this to me while Hayden wins fifth overall. That's that's cool."
1: I saw you say that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do, do do you guys have any questions about the like the guys we took in the first round or anything like that? No, or? I
0: just want to state that like. I was upset about Wallstrom. Still don't know. But if Wallstrom and, and, and Dobson end up being these, these world beaters for the Islanders, that's the worst case scenario for for us as a Ranger fan going forward. Yes, we shouldn't be worrying about other teams in the Metro. But if both these guys just turn out to be all-star players, which, you know, there's a good chance they are. a the chance there's not. That's fine. We're going to hear about it for the rest of the Of the next 15 years they're playing.
1: You know what? Sure. But on the other hand, if Kraftstoff does some of these things that you see him do in the KHL for the Rangers, um, then no one will hear shit. Mm. The kid, when you watch him play, uh, and I've actually watched a good amount of him recently, um, and not just like YouTube highlights and stuff. He kind of reminds you a little bit of a hybrid between Jamie Benn and Vladimir Tarasenko. That's Uh, a nice hybrid. I mean, I'm, yeah, again, I'm not saying that's what it's become. I just, that's what his style reminds me of. He's a big kid. He's powerful. Um, he's still got to put on some weight. He's on the thinner side now. Whereas conversely, the, the knock on Wallstrom is that some think he's too heavy, too, like, chunky, and that he needs to get in better shape. Um, and because of that, that led to people questioning his work ethic and stuff, which I think is unfair, but that is an issue that some teams had with Wallstrom. But back to Kravtsov, yeah, like I mean, the kid, he's like 6'2", I think he's like 185 or something, but he's got a solid frame. He can pretty easily probably put on some muscle once he starts working out more. Um, but he's got dynamic ability. He's a great puck handler. His wrist shot is actually fantastic. He probably has one of the best releases in the entire of anyone in the draft. Um, you know, when you watch Tarasenko and, like, when he shoots that wrister of his, the puck just jumps off his stick? That's kind of what what Kraftstoff has. He has the abil- ability to, like, dangle around a player and then just fire off that wrister like it's nothing. And he actually has some good amount of weight behind the wrister as well. Um, he's pretty good defensively also. His KHL team used him on the penalty kill. Um, he's got, you know, he's pretty good at stick checking. He's got pretty good gap awareness. One-on-one, sometimes he gets beat, But again, I mean, he's a kid and playing in a pro league, obviously that's going to happen. But he's got all the tools to be a a two-way player with dynamic offensive ability. He's still raw, though. Like his knock is, he's still raw. He needs at least a year still to refine his game before he really can play in the NHL. Um, But as far as just pure upside is concerned, I mean, this kid's got it, uh, you know, just as much, if not more than a lot of the players that went in the similar range there.
0: He's pretty much two years away from being in the NHL, right?
1: Uh, I mean, if he, um,
2: I think he'll be he'll be next year. He's going to be in the KHL. The year after that, I expect him to be in North America. I don't know if he's going to be in the NHL.
1: So what I'll say is, he likely is a year and a half to two years away. But this past year, he his game developed so much that he if he is if he you know develops just as much last year as he does this year. Oh, uh, you know what I mean? I do. But if his development continues on this trend, then next year he could be good enough to make it out of camp, depending on who else is on the roster. But yeah, he's got one more year in the KHL. He can buy out his contract. I don't know if that really makes sense. He's in a pretty good spot there. The team might maybe buy it out. The Rangers might give him the money to buy it out if they really want him over in Hartford. But, um, you know, he, he's, Probably not making the team this year, but if his development continues next year, at least halfway through next year, I could see him up with the big club. But, but people should be excited about him. He, he is really – like everyone talks about you want a dynamic player and this and that. He does have that dynamic ability and also has the tools to be a good defensive player. Well, I guess oh, – go going Greg. Sorry.
2: Well, I was just going to say, to piggyback off that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do uh, what you usually do, Ryan. Hmm. we got three things we still need to talk about. We've got to talk about the 39th overall pick. we got to talk about trades or lack thereof. And then we got to talk about the ultimate smokescreen that Ilya Kovalchuk has put up. No. No. Okay. Right, let, let's, let's do it in that order because thir- 39 deserves its own, its own section. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, let's talk about that first. So at, at, at 39, the Rangers drafted – I'm going to fuck this up – Olaf Limbaum.
2: I, I, I think you got that one a lot closer than you did Krasov, even though we practiced that one before the podcast started. That's probably
0: true. Uh, and it's weird because we're pretty stacked Good. at goalie, uh, you know, with Igor and a few others uh, sitting in the pipeline. And we this guy was ranked lower than most other – well, some other goalies. But Jeff Gorton said in an interview that he had – they had him far and away ranked as the best goalie. And, you know, goalies have trade value or whatever. That's pretty much a, somewhat of a quote, what I just read. But I just don't – it was a very strange pick to pick a goalie this high when especially they're usually crapshoots. And we had goalies pretty much in, in spades already in the system.
2: Uh, Drew, you want me to go first? Yeah, go for it. So here's, here's – there's, I guess, a good news and bad news kind of situation to look at this, right? The good news is it's clear that the Rangers had a list. And at 39, they stuck to that list and it didn't matter um, if there were – say, for example – Obviously, they ranked Baum higher than they did Akil Thomas, who I think is the name people were saying the Rangers should have taken at 39 because he was sitting there. Was Bergen still sitting there too? Drew, do you remember? Uh, no.
1: It, it, I uh, don't believe Bergen. I think, I think Bergen, Bergen went at like 37 earlier. and
2: 38. Okay. Bergen was the guy I really wanted at 39. And then when I saw we didn't get him, I just assumed that he was taken before. But I didn't actually do the research to check. Um The Rangers must have put Lindbaum higher on their list than they did Thomas. So they never really thought Thomas was ever going to be there at 39. But if they did, they were still, they stuck to their list. And I I applaud them for that because it's real easy to deviate from your plan, especially on draft day. But we also have to remember the Rangers had already bagged three draft picks before they went for the goalie. So is it, The Rangers have not had a lot of success taking goalies high in drafts. I mean, let's go back to Al Montoya. It didn't end out well for the Rangers. Brandon Halverson hasn't turned into anything. They took him in the second round. The list goes on and on. But I think people lost sight of the fact that the Rangers bagged three picks already. And the general consensus is the three picks the Rangers bagged were all good selections. So it doesn't really bother me that the Rangers simply stuck to the script and went with the highest player rated on their board. It's weird that it's a goalie, but one takes goalies a long time to develop. No goalie develops overnight. It's very rare for a goalie to debut in the NHL before the age of what? 21. I can't remember the last goalie that did. Um, Even Matt Murray, I think was around for a bit before he took over in Pittsburgh. And even then it was a surprise. He was so good. So quick. So I don't, I don't mind having a lot of goalies in your system because you know what I do mind? I mind again this goes back to I feel like we have to remember what the free agent market is like in the NHL. I don't want to pay big money for backup goalies. If I can just continue to have a run of backup goalies coming through my farm system, things are great. And if if the Rangers took a center or a defenseman or a winger at 39 overall, all I would want that guy to be is a roster player. I wouldn't expect him to be an all-star. I wouldn't expect him to be a top 6 forward. I'd expect some upside for him to possibly be more than he could be. But at 39, I think you're still just hoping for a roster player. And you know whose opinion matters more than all three of ours combined? Benoit Allaire. No, Benoit Allaire. His opinion <laughs> fucking matters. I still say nobody's. But okay. If Benoit Allaire says, I like that guy, I can work with that guy, give him him. Give him the guy.
1: Yeah. You know what, I, Greg? I agree with everything you said, but I uh, – but I still think it's a bad pick. Um, oh, right. Of-
2: again, I, I get it. I get it. I just don't yeah. think people – people. I want to talk about the reaction to the pick more well, than I do the pick they, itself because obviously they goal lost is their goal. yeah, they
1: lost the goalie's a goalie. The shit.
2: reaction to it, people lost their fucking minds because and, at and then 39, further- the, the fourth player the Rangers drafted was a goalie. I don't give a shit. If the goalie was the highest-rated player on the board, take the highest-rated player on your board.
1: And the bad thing about the reaction, too, and sorry to cut you off, is then people let this sour the rest of the picks. It's like this was like a snowball going downhill. They got so pissed off by this that every subsequent pick, they got more and more pissed off when it wasn't their guy. And this apparently is a hot take. I thought the rest of the draft was fucking fine. Um, the guy they took in the sixth round, I literally have never heard of in my life. I've, I've probably put about 100 hours of research into this draft. I'm not exaggerating. And I've literally never once heard the name Simone Gelberg. <laughs> um, but other than that, like, I actually, every other pick they made, there is merit to. Um, but everyone just completely lost their shit at 39 and never recovered. And it just was hilarious, <laughs> me sitting there on Twitter, watching people freaking out over and over and over again. It, it was quite entertaining.
2: Yeah, I I'm I'm trying to think of what I would compare it to in other sports. It would I, I honestly don't know. I don't know if like the reaction I I've never seen anything like that reaction before. You would think that the Rangers took this guy at ninth overall. It. it was the 39th overall pick, a pick that going into the draft, we all admit it less than you have better chances of winning a coin flip than you do this anyone the Rangers took at 39, becoming an impactful NHL player. So everybody lost perspective. And it was, the thing was, it also became very easy to joke about. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of that. When I saw the pick was the first thing I saw when I woke up in the morning and I, I, I made some crack ass comment about it, but look, if Benoit Allaire likes the guy, the Rangers had more draft picks than they knew what to do with. And if he was the highest rated guy on the board, stick to your board. I really, I, I'm not in that draft room. They know a lot more about any prospect than I'll ever know in my entire life. If the goalie who they said shined in juniors and was far and away their number one goalie on the board, take the goalie. And I understand the argument that, oh, well, he's probably there at 70. You don't know that. He might not be there. You have to take your guy when you when your guy's available. And if he's the number one guy on your board, just take the guy.
1: Yeah, That's all say, you have to
2: do. There is a happy meeting
1: here. Like I saw a lot of the people on Twitter making the defense you just made of that, well, these guys are pros and it's their job and yada, yada, yada. You know what? We sat, we spent how long making fun of Elaine Vigneault? And uh, two years. The same bullshit argument people used to defend Elaine Vigneault, also. And like, I get it. And I, I get that, that. So, on one side of the fence, you have people, and I know, Greg, that's not your full argument. It's just like the one point you made out of many. But I saw people doing that time and time and again. Well, these guys are the pros. They know what you're do- they're doing. Who are you to disagree? And then on the other side of the fence, I saw people yelling to fire Clark after every damn pick. Like, there's a lot of gray area in the middle. You can be disappointed with the pick but not want Clark to be fucking fired. You can think that a pick probably wasn't the smartest thing in the world to do, but not think react like Lundquist just died of a heart attack in front of you. Yeah,
2: like, there, the, There's all the,
1: oh, this gray area there.
2: And the awkward thing is the last time I remember being really angry at a Rangers draft pick was when the Rangers didn't take the best player available, and they went for need over that. And it was McElrath when you had guys like who's – uh Kuznetsov he and, Tarasenko, and Tarasenko, both sitting there. And even Cam Fowler, honestly, just sitting there. Like three guys that were clearly better than McElrath were almost unanimously considered better than McElrath. But McElrath just fit a type that the Rangers thought they needed in that exact moment. And it didn't, obviously it didn't work out, and it's really backfired in the Rangers' face. And you got a lot of what-ifs there if the Rangers just make any of those three picks as opposed to McElrath. Ugh, um,
0: the Tarasenko thing is like the worst.
2: There are a lot of smart people that have made the argument that it's more unforgivable. The Rangers passed on Fowler because they needed a defenseman desperately. And Fowler did a lot more things that McElrath didn't, but the Rangers thought they needed a, a body, a big defensive body. And that's why they went McIlrath over Fowler. We're not here to argue that. I'm not saying that everything Clark has done as Rangers scouting director has been smart. I'm also saying that he's made smart decisions before. So if he, th- if he says the best player available on his board was a, goalie co- was a goalie who your all-world goalie coach says is clearly the number one goalie prospect in this draft, and you've already banked three draft picks in the first round, all of which have significant upside, take your swing, Brad. That's fine. It's not- if, if Lindbaum was the second player the Rangers took off their board – I think I would be furious, but he was the fourth player they took off their board. The reason why the Rangers accumulated so many of these draft picks, I clearly was not to include them in trades, which we're going to talk about next. Yeah, it was, it was to get as many guys on their board as possible. And the fourth guy on their board was a goalie from Sweden that their goalie coach loves fine. That's that's fine by me. Because if you, if, if you get four of your top players on your draft board by the second round, to me, that's a pretty fucking good draft, especially when you get a high-end scoring winger and two potentially impact defensemen. So take your take your swing on the goalie in the second round. It does not bother me in the slightest.
0: It bothers yeah. me. It still bothers me. and it just yeah. It's mostly because I just think there maybe there's other talent. But again, I don't know. I, I, I don't say know. This.
2: You, I
1: agree with everything you said, Greg. I'm still giving them an F for the second round. But sure,
2: sure. Yeah. I'm the, Again, that's fine. I, it, I'm not dying on the hill that the Rangers oh, yeah. made the smart decision. I'm just I'm trying to understand the Rangers' mindset, and to me, there is a logical progression to what the Rangers did in the second round. I I personally would have loved to kill Thomas. That was a first round talent sitting there at 39, and he wasn't the only one. Um, Jake Wise was. Jake a Wise player. was on. Jake Wise. Oh, correct me if I'm wrong. Did the Rangers pass on
1: Wise again? The um, I don't remember where he exactly he went. I just know Chicago got jake wise and nicholas nordrin in the third round and that maybe die a little bit inside because i think i I think both wise
2: and nordrin went after the rangers pick in the second third round
1: uh that's disappointing i by the time the third round pick came around i was kind of out and about and walk around lbi and just sort of following loosely on twitter but uh, i just i remember seeing that chicago took wise and then they went no, I'm pretty sure Wise went, like, a pick or two before the
2: Rangers. They and, I, and, and Nordgren's then, the guy they traded back up for.
1: Yeah, yeah, then they traded back up for him. And I was just like, I had both those guys ranked in my top 40. <laughs> Good for Chicago for none of them the third. Um Listen, I just want to, before we move to the trade thing, I just want to make people feel a little bit better about some of the other picks that people freaked out about, but I actually liked quite a bit. Are you cool with that?
0: Yeah, that's
1: what you're here for. All right, so uh the kid that they took – um, in uh the third round uh jacob uh jacob i want to pronounce this right oh uh, uh, uh yeah Ragnarson. that's it i keep wanting to say ragnarok but obviously that's it yeah Ragnar- nope. oh, jacob ragnarok he was
2: responsible he was responsible for my best draft day joke so i really appreciate that guy
1: yeah um he's actually pretty good um like canucks army is one of my favorite resources for draft research they had him ranked 56th um oh 55th sorry and i had him like You know, when I released two rounds of ranks, I had Ragnarsson around 70, 75 range, and he was picked at 70. Like, people saying he was this huge reach, like, I'm sorry, I just really disagree with you. This is a kid who uh, you know he he, he's a pretty good player overall um he's a left-handed defender um he didn't put up a whole bunch of points and so that kind of helped him fall down the ranks a bit but he's got all the tools to be a good two-way defenseman like in the defensive zone like he's really active uh with the with the stick on the puck he's willing to you know knock someone on their ass when he's when they need to um you know he's he's a good skater he's actually got a tricky wrist shot um he, he really does have a two-way skill set and an underrated offensive game that you look for in, like, defense, but especially in this round. Like, people, I, I saw, um, you know, a lot of people I respect, like Joe Fortunato made a comment, like, we didn't take any, like, upside swings later. Like, this kid ha- has plenty of upside. I'm sorry. Like, if you think that this was, like, a, a terrible pick, like, I don't want to say you're fucking wrong because, like I said, at this area of the draft, it's almost like throwing darts against a dartboard, but there is a lot of evidence to suggest it that this was a perfectly fine pick at 70 and one that i liked quite a bit um other ones i just wanted to quickly hit on that kid riley hughes that they took in the seventh round i don't know that much about him i know he's again one of the he's one of the younger kids in the class they traded back up in the seventh round to get him um i know he's a little bit bigger he's like six one one i think like 180 something like that i i saw him ranked uh, like around like 110, 115, 120 in some of the rankings. I think uh, hockeyprospect.com was the one that had him at like 115 or so. To get that kid at the end of the seventh round, like that's fantastic. And Corey Pronman, even the second that pick was made, Corey Pronman, who's like the king of overrating dynamic ability and upside, chimed in and was like, Yeah, this kid was one of my favorite sleepers. That was a great pick by the Rangers. Um, and then the other pick I actually didn't mind was um, the overager they took. Every This was kind of like a, a joke uh, on Twitter beforehand. The Rangers always take an overager, and so it was just a matter of who we would take. And just for the record, uh, overager is either usually like uh, with this kid. You're uh, 19 Joey years team, old. Or older. Well, Or older. <laughs> and what happens is. That Wait, that was, after, that was a joke, really? Well, uh, there was like. <laughs> but no, but sometimes they're older, like the kid Masherin or whatever from Florida. It's, you know, he's drafted a few years back, didn't sign his ELC and went back into the draft. But with Keen, he was passed over last year. He had a terrible draft eligibility season, but this year he was really good. He actually, you could make the argument that he was team USA's best defenseman on their, uh, on the, the 2016 U 18 team. Um, and then he had a shit year last year, but then he was great again this year. Um, and I thought he was a pretty good pick. I mean, Some people are saying they probably took him a little bit earlier than they needed to, maybe. But again, like you're in the fourth round, like the tiers of players here, like some (laughs) teams will have a guy ranked. Seventieth, eightieth, and another team might have that same person not even in their top two hundred. It's so like enough of this bullshit. Like if you're taking a kid in the fourth round that you think will be an NHL player, just take him. Who gives a shit if you have him at the fourth or fifth round grade? Um, but this kid, he's a. When you watch him play, like he's a really fluid skater. Like he's got that ability where some players, when you watch him skate, it looks like they just put no effort at all and fly up the ice. That's this kid. He's also has really good vision. and Is a pretty good passer. Um, and he's decent in the zone zone it's again a kid that I think has all the tools to have some decent upside and I gr- I disagree with anyone that thinks this was like a safe pick I think this was a pick that will have a better chance of making the NHL than most at this area of the draft overagers I believe have a slightly better percentage of making the NHL than like a flyer on a you know a normal age kid but um you know this kid has some upside too he has some talent he just had an awful year last year and which you know killed his stock um, so again, like, I, I think our second round is awful. I, we didn't need to trade that second round pick to move from 26 to 22. And the pick we made at 39, uh, you know, we are, I'm not bringing that up again. We already spoke about, but the rest of the draft I thought was fine. And people were really overreacting to the rest of it. If you take out the second round, I'd give day two, like a grade of a B. Like I thought it was fine. But when you of course includes the second round, the most important round on day two, then yeah, I think I said my day two grade is like a C or C minus.
2: Yeah, and the other thing I just want to point out again about just going back to taking the best player on your board. I don't care that the Rangers were on a defensive run. If when every pick came up the best player on the Rangers board was a defender, just take the defender. Don't take a winger just for the sake of taking a winger in the fourth round. And here, this yeah, will probably the transition. One on your board.
1: This can probably transition us to the next part. I think more of the story will come out. We'll see the rest of the story come out. I don't know if they were always going best player available. To me, it looks like they were purposely targeting defensemen, and that might be because they – had a lot of conversations about the RFAs already. Maybe they know they can get some better forward prospects than defensive prospects. Also the 2019 draft at this point looking like it's pretty forward heavy as well. So it's possible they have their eye on next year already as well. They definitely sure. have their eye
0: on next year. It's like not even a question. Like yeah. every move they made, we were kind of waiting these last couple of weeks to figure out what the Rangers were really going to do, what their cars were going to, they, they held everything. And their plan now is to really rebuild, to do it seriously, to draft, to, to build a young team through the draft and and get younger and honestly, it's a hard rebuild. It's not soft at all. I think
2: I, I, t- to go to your point. This naturally transitions us into the talk about trades or lack thereof. Uh, I think one thing we never took into consideration with all the trades we've been hypothesizing that include the Rangers. There's there's a, there's a the faucet hasn't been turned on yet. I think everyone is waiting to see what Tavares does before anyone makes a serious move because then Tavares is going to be the first domino that falls. Nobody is going to call the Rangers to ask them about Ryan Spooner or Vlad Nemesnikov until they know they can't get Jeff Skinner, Max Pacioretty, Mike Hoffman's now been traded, but Mark Stone is lingering around. They want to see what the Senators do with him. There, There are trade targets out there for teams that are going to miss on Tavares that are higher on the pecking order than either Nemesnikov, or Spooner. So any conversation the Rangers may have had about those guys, and this includes Kevin Hayes too, mm-hmm. any conversation they've had in trade, I'm sure they've talked parameters of a deal, but other teams are going to want to see if they can get higher impact players first. Yeah. And we've, we've only really seen one big trade, and it was on the second day of the draft. And the only reason we saw that is because the Hurricanes had two players they knew they couldn't sign long-term, and they didn't want to wait around. And I don't know what Calgary's thinking in that trade I know Bill Peters is now their coach. And he must really love Noah Hannafin and Elias Lindholm. I like Hannafin. I don't know how you can trade Dougie Hamilton and Adam Fox for Lindholm and Hannafin.
1: The only way possible is Fox told him there's no way he's signing their ELC. Short of that, this is like an abject disaster of a trade, and no one can fucking convince my mind. No, but even, even then,
2: Drew... You don't have to put Fox in that trade. I agree. You can put Fox in a different trade.
1: I 100% agree. I'm just saying that's the only reason how this is – if Fox told them, I'm not signing, this is still a bad trade, but it's not like an abject fucking disaster.
2: There are people – and the crazy thing to me, Ryan, before you jump in, there are people saying this is a horrendous trade for Cal- uh, for Carolina. Well, i don't understand people, do i watch a different sport
1: the president too so there's some idiots out there
2: do i watch a different sport <laughs> Elias lindholm is a fine player and he's going to play in the top line in calgary but he shouldn't be a top line center oh uh, also the the kid
1: the other person the flames included i'm blanking on his name michael furland yeah he's a decent player he wasn't just some like random throwing like he's decent like he had a negative war that a lot of the analytics community's is pointing to but like he's fine like Kent Wilson was you know Kent Wilson in my opinion is the best flames writer out there and he was the first one to say first why the hell do we need to include a blue chip prospect if we're trading by far the best player in the draft and yeah Dougie Hamilton is much better than Noah Hannafin you were hoping Noah Hannafin develops into being Dougie Hamilton but so okay why do we need to include a blue chipper and then also this guy that we threw in he's not bad also what the hell are they doing
2: it it didn't make any sense and I, it doesn't bring Calgary any close to competing for a serious playoff spot I'll in my mind. Them
1: further away. Bring yeah. them completely further away.
2: I know that they have a lot more defensive prospects. And I know that like, guys like Rasmus Anderson are very good and highly touted. But you gave up, of the players involved in this trade, the Flames traded two of the three best ones. And the guy they got in return, like you said, his absolute best outcome is becoming the player you just traded.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll say Elias Lindholm is, is the third best player in the trade right now.
2: I'd rather have Fox. I'm not gonna I mean, lie. I, I, don't, I, I don't know what I don't know what the hullabaloo is about Lindholm.
1: I, he's, he's good. His, his analytics are actually really strong. He's a pretty good player. He, he's kind of like a ter- Tarasenko. He's like a, a Nemestikov type. Everyone's where- a
2: Tarasenko. No,
1: no, no. He's like a M- Nemestikov type where he does all like the little things. He's good. He's good with zone transitions. Like in all the things he does always like helps out his line a lot. But that said, I mean, I'd rather have Adam Fox too. I'm just saying like, right now, Lindholm is the more proven asset, yeah. the better player right now.
2: And again, I, I saw fans, complaining that the Rangers didn't jump in on Dougie Hamilton yeah I Bill Peters isn't the guy making the decisions in Calgary but it sure does help when your new coach just coached Hannah Finn and Lindholm and probably has glowing things to say about them yeah
1: you know what I mean it was it, it was reported the Rangers did call the Flames the Flames said no I mean what the Rangers offered them who knows but I doubt that the Flames are just like all right, screw it, we're just making this deal without telling the – Like w- when you do these negotiations, you normally, especially with a guy like Dougie Hamilton, you have multiple trades lined up. You get an offer, you go to another team, hey, this is my offer. Can you beat that? And if that's not what the Flames were doing, well, then they're even dumber than I thought they were.
2: Yeah, this, this would have been the equivalent of the Rangers probably trading what? Hayes and Shea? Yeah, at least. Yeah, I would have done Hayes and Shea for Dougie Hamilton and Adam Fox.
1: Yeah, oh, me too. I mean, and but Hannafin's better than Shea. I know we all love Shea and stuff like that, but Noah Hannafin is a much better defender than Shea is at this point in their careers, and he's younger. Um, and uh, But Hayes is better than Lindholm. So, yeah, it's th- that's about right. And I would have done that in a second. But you know what? Bill Peters probably looked at it. I'd rather have Hannafin and Lindholm.
2: There's kind of a control as to they know what they're getting. Exactly. But to my main point here is – the trade market is stalled until bigger names come off the board. People don't go shopping for second-tier players until the first, first clear, first-tier first oh, aisle is cleared out. So until clarity is brought in on Max Pacioretty and Jeff Skinner, to me those are probably the two biggest attainable names that are definitely on the trade market. Until there's clarity brought into those situations, I, the, the Rangers could want to trade Domestikov and Spooner and even Dangle Hayes out there as much as they want. I totally understand why other GMs are saying they'd rather see how the market plays out before they make their move.
1: Yeah, and the other thing I was telling people, too, is, and you know, they wanted to trade for like Edmonton's 10th pick or Montreal's third and all these rumors. These GMs leaked that these picks were available because they wanted someone to fucking overpay for it. Just because it's leaked that the pick is available doesn't mean that you can get it for a discount. It's purposely leaked out there to drum up interest and see if you can get someone to overpay. Enough with this shit already.
2: Yeah, and I was uh, while we're talking about the 10th pick specifically, on my drive home today, I was listening to 31 Thoughts, which came out Saturday night. And both Friedman and the guests that they had on were saying it was more likely the Oilers were going to trade up from 10 because they wanted to make sure they got Bouchard. And then it came out that, I mean, obviously Bouchard fell to them at 10, and they couldn't have been more ecstatic about it. I think the only way they trade ten is if the draft happens and Bouchard is gone, and then I think they they find a way to trade ten in that window. But once Bouchard was there, it it sounded like there was nothing you could do. The Oilers were making that pick.
0: Well, good for them. Uh, Dougie Hamilton reportedly loves the museum, so I think we're gonna have a pretty good running at him in 2019 or 2020. Sorry, that's when his contract's (laughs) up. So we got that. He's gonna be a future New York Ranger. Got that going.
2: Yeah, um, I love I love the storyline that he's a bad teammate because he won't party with the boys.
0: Yeah, I, he's a nerd, Greg. What's in museums?
2: It's Who like likes museums. How many? How many there, are, I'm in. I'm in the wedding of a guy I worked with in Savannah, and I love him dearly. He's one of my best friends in the world. That doesn't mean everybody I work with needs to be my friend. Why is it any different in a locker room? Why does every teammate have to be your best friend? Otherwise, they're a shit teammate. Couldn't it be possible that you just don't have anything in common with Moynihan? Like Moynihan and Johnny Goudreau are their own people. It's not Dougie Hamilton's job to like them on a deep personal level. They get it. I'm sure they got along fine. Why do they have to be best friends in order for that to be a successful situation? I'm not sure. What, what fucked up twisted world is that? Let's talk
0: about a fucked up twisted world where Ilya Kovalchuk is not a ranger. He... I don't think, I don't believe it until he signs <laughs> the
2: papers I don't believe it.
0: We made a, mo- a bet, about mon- a monetary bet, you and I. And I was just going to say, I will not be Venmoing you five extra dollars.
1: No, we will so, get it from me. I'll That's say, really. give, given the parameters of the deal I see and given how the draft just went for the Rangers, I believe that he's not a Ranger. Three years? Uh, I, I said two years? Sign me up. Three? No thanks.
2: 6.5 yeah. ABV. And once 6. again, 6. our 6. good friend Hockey Statminer brought up a great point with the three-year uh, evaluation that I didn't think of. If he has a no-move clause, which I'm sure he does in some way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. that forces the Kings to protect him come the next expansion draft.
1: And, and to piggyback on that, all I want in the world with these RFA contracts, if we sign, you know, obviously we're going to sign a couple of the R- RFAs. Don't give any of them a no trade clause. We have enough people already that we need to protect. Stay far away from the no trade clauses, please.
0: Oh yeah. Cause this next expansion, we're going to have to protect some serious assets.
1: We're going to have to protect Mark Stahl and Brendan Smith, both. Oh my
2: God. If Smith is still here, there's a chance. And, and Honestly, if Stahl's still here, there is now no reason, I mean... Stall would be We've gone talked out. about it a very long time. Ryan was, again, a, thing, a very small thing that Ryan was actually right about. It doesn't happen very often here on Blucher's Break. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I've been but right
0: like a lot recently. Got the No Mars Stall buyout. Got the Ilya Kovachov. No, that's, that's,
2: that's what I'm talking about. Now that there really isn't a reason for the Rangers to buy out Stall this offseason, right. that, that changes next offseason.
1: Yeah, agreed. And it definitely changes before the expansion draft, that's for sure.
2: There's no, Mark, the Rangers will not have to protect Mark Stahl come the expansion draft because he will not be a Ranger at that point in time. They'll buy I'm, out
0: before the expansion draft, like the year it's happening. But, no, uh, but not we'll, before then.
2: We'll buy out Mark Stahl once they decide Lever Hayek is ready to play in the NHL. Once you need to open a spot DeAndre in the Miller. top six. One, or who? DeAndre Miller. Or who? DeAndre Miller. You, I, you really think Miller will be ready before Hayek? I think Hayek's going to be ready...
1: Nah, I don't. If Hayek, not
2: by halfway point this season, The next season for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, Hayek should be first. Lindgren will probably be before both of them in terms yeah. of just NHL <laughs> readiness, not upside. Hayek's a better prospect, but I believe Lindgren's probably sooner to make the NHL.
0: Let's, let's uh, Well, Greg, any final words on Kovalchuk before we talk about the phase and the possible trades coming up, and then we'll, we'll end, it up, end it there?
1: We'll talk July
2: 1st. That's all I'm going to say about Kovalchuk. It's I think it's a smokescreen.
0: It's not a smokescreen. Six, I mean, $6.5 uh, million a year. That's what L.A. is going to play. Play. I, I'm sure it's going to be great for L.A. I wish him the best of luck. He wanted to probably be in a big city, either L.A. or New York. He got L.A. That's what he got. It. He wanted.
2: Uh, I well, I again, just since 31 Thoughts is on my mind, Friedman did say on the podcast that Kovalchuk still wanted to go to the Rangers. It was the Rangers that walked away. It wasn't the other way around.
1: Good.
0: Yeah, it, it, we're serious about this rebuild. We're not joking around. We're we want to build all young kids, and we want to develop from within. That's it. I
1: mean, I'm again. I'm fine if you want to bring in Kovalchuk for a year or two. To, supposedly he's a good locker room guy, and he's got things he can teach kids. I'm fine with bringing him in for a year or two for you know to be the uh, veteran in the room, stuff like that. But once he hit three years, no thanks. Go have fun in L.A.
2: Yeah. And we should talk. We've we've often talked about how if the Rangers didn't get Kovalchuk, we'll they should at least check in on Nash. Now, really it does sound like Nash is retiring. It does yeah, sound good. like that.
1: shit he's he's made ninety mil about ninety million dollars in his career, dude. Go just please retire. Keep your brain intact. Go enjoy the rest of your life with your family.
0: Yeah, we talked about that on on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. How we were like, we kind of just I think it might have been on a, a Patreon extra actually, where we were talking about how we were just begging Rick Nash to retire before this news even came out. Like, dude, it's just not worth it.
2: No, it's really not. Unless he really wants a cup, then I, I don't mind veteran players chasing cups on one year deals. But yeah, Rick Nash has always sounded like a proper family man who mm-hmm. kind of just wants to stay at home and be a good dad to his kids. Yeah. And uh, the best way he could be a dad is to make sure he has uh, cognitive abilities beyond the age of 50.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And anyone that blames him for wanting to retire, go take a oh. long walk off a short pier.
2: Yeah, no, fuck. I'll, I'll, I'll go one step further. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Rick, Rick, Rick Nash has done more in his playing career than either of us will ever do in our lives. And that man has made his money. He deserved his money. He doesn't need serious long-term brain damage in order to prove a point to NYC, the shit face or anything like that.
0: <laughs> um, last thoughts before we get the hell out of here. Domestikov and Spooner, they didn't get dealt at the draft. Uh, are we going to deal them before free agency when teams actually find their needs and miss out on their guys or what are we projecting like, there?
2: Didn't we just talk about this? Did I miss
0: yeah,
1: it? it? It's what Greg said. There's bigger names on the, there are bigger dominoes that need to oh, fall.
0: Oh yes, yes. Bigger dominoes that need to fall. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, 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 we didn't say the exact names. My bad.
1: And honestly, I
2: think the I'm 2019 pretty sure i missed the conference the entire time there, buddy. Thanks shit. for not listening to this podcast at all. I
1: totally didn't listen. Thanks.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's and, unbelievable.
1: And <laughs> they, might, they might get them for 2019 picks. They might for forward uh, prospects, things like that. There, there's all sorts of possibilities. But my guess is that all the run on all the D was more-I mean, obviously, they went with the best defenseman they had available, but I think they purposely targeted a lot of defensemen, whether it's because for next year's draft, or they think they can get a forward prospect or what Greg said, and they just want to load up on defense for trade bait later down the line or whatever. I think that was purposeful, and we should hopefully see why in the next couple of weeks or months.
2: I will say it is notable that in uh, Brooks' article today, the one agent the Rangers haven't talked to yet about contract parameters is Ryan Spooner's agent. I don't know if that's because the Rangers know it'll only take a one-year deal to get him signed. Or if they wanted to have a better understanding of what Nemesnikov is looking for before they really consider trading him, I, it, I just I found it interesting that Spooner is the last guy on Gorton's list. And uh, just to go one, one step further, um, I don't remember why I wanted to take one step further. It'll come to me eventually. I'm okay. not really worried about <laughs> it. All right.
0: Well, Gorton said in general, you know, they felt good all about the draft. He feels good about all the players he's talked to so far, with like you said, with the exception of Spooner.
2: Uh, I remember what I wanted to say. Go ahead. Um, the, the names that have been traded so far this offseason, Mike Hoffman, Elias Lindholm, Noah Hannifin, Dougie Hamilton, for various reasons, those were guys that GMs felt like they had to trade. Mike Hoffman, for obvious reasons, in, in Ottawa. Um, Hannafin and Lindholm, the Hurricanes talked about long-term extensions with them. They said they didn't want them, so they got, tried to get them out of there as fast as they, they could. And Hamilton, for whatever misguided reason, the Flames must have viewed him as some kind of locker room problem. So there hasn't been a trade yet that involves uh, – I, I guess the Grubauer trade's the one exception. But even that, the Capitals knew they had to trade Grubauer at some point this offseason, and they were chomping at the bits to get Brooks Orpik's contract off yeah. their books. They're able to get a
1: second round pick while still unloading or pick. So they, okay, deal.
2: That was a really good deal for the Capitals. And it almost guarantees them that John Carlson's going back to Washington, which also is fine. Whatever keeps him far away from the Rangers' front office is fine by me. I really think he's going to be bad in that two years into that contract.
1: I think you said this already on the pod, but I have no interest in this defensive UFA market. None whatsoever. Well,
0: do do you have interest in any of the forward? positions either no like uh, T- Tavares is out right so I, I don't know what
1: I have no interest in the big names personally like you know Van Riemsdyk I think I agree with what Greg said I think last episode or two episodes ago he's a perfect guy for a contender he's there's nothing really he's going to do for this Rangers team now but what I do think they could do is I think there's some of like the mid-tier guys that they maybe can maybe overpay a bit on a one-year deal and then go and trade them at the deadline retain some of the salary. that's what I'm talking like about yeah
2: Well, yeah, do like a do do a Thomas Vanek who gets traded at the deadline every year. Sign him to a one-year deal for four million dollars, eat at least two million of that, and then trade him at the deadline to someone that all of a sudden needs scoring and realizes they could have just signed Vanek. As we
0: we mentioned, Rick Nash and his retirement, but Grabner. uh, We also, uh, sorry, Gordon also talked about possibly bringing Grabner back even short-term. So uh, I don't know if Grabner will do that. I I, again, I don't know what, what what you guys think Grabner's free agent market is right now. Uh, if there is any for him. But would he do uh, another one year here? Maybe.
2: If if the Rangers go to Grabner early and say, hey, here's what we can offer you, I bet they can get him. Uh, it makes the most sense for Grabner to wait for the higher-end guys to sign. And again, Like with the Nemesnikovs and the Spooners. If Grabner waits for someone to miss on Van Rie...
0: Oh, Greg, you're becoming a robot. You're a robot, Greg. Drew, are you yes. still there? I don't know. Drew, are you still there, buddy?
2: Yeah, I'm still
0: here. Okay, was Greg a robot
2: for you also? Yep. Okay. Are you sure that's me being a robot? My voice sounds fucking terrible. It right. was. Oh, per- just, it cut out completely.
0: It, it, it cut, cut out, out completely. Also. But oh,
2: I, I, I was just saying, Grabner like Nemetskov and Spooner. Just wait for the higher tier guys to sign, and then someone will be like, "Shit, well, we need someone," and there's Michael Grabner.
0: Yep, I agree. All right, Drew. Thanks so much for coming on, bud. Um,
1: Thank you for having me, as always. Of course,
0: it's a pleasure. Drew is the managing editor slash total runner of BushersBreakaway.com. He's a prospect expert and a good friend. Drew, what do you want to plug?
1: Again, if you aren't following me on Twitter yet, I'm at D-R-E-W-S underscore way at Drew's way on Twitter. And uh, keep an eye out on the site. Uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, George, Sean, and I are going to be posting our recap piece on the draft.
0: Awesome, man. Uh, Greg, anything you want to talk about before we go?
2: Uh, I write two. What? I wrote two pieces last week, and you should read them.
1: Yeah, um, no, the the VZ piece in particular was really good.
2: I'm left. Oh, Ryan. we should probably talk about VZ a little bit. Or I guess we could do that on Patreon.
1: Yeah, do you, I, I got to go get dinner for the wife and kids. Yeah, we'll out, so. we'll do it on we'll do it on.
2: <laughs> Sounds
0: yeah. good. Uh, I just want to get just just uh, Drew. You can go now because I'm just doing monologue real quick. Uh, I wanted to thank everyone out there who was able to meet us at the draft party. Got to meet a bunch of cool people, even at the Gotham Sports Party that we got to go to. Got to hang out with Woj. That was awesome. Got to meet James Duffy in a lot of different ways. Um, <laughs> uh, there, there was an awesome amount of fans that came up to me and were like, Hey, Ryan. I was like, What? This is weird. Uh, so anyone I got a chance to meet and say hello to, uh, thanks so much for listening to this show and, and thanks for being so friendly. And that's it. All right, we're out of here, Greg. Follow us on Twitter at Break and Instagram, Breakway Feel free to slide into our DMs at any single point in time. We'll always respond for the most part. If we don't respond right away, I promise we will. All right, I love you guys. We'll talk soon. Bye bye. I mean, if I'm being honest, I still want Wallstrom. <laughs> I still want you, Wallstrom. All right, bye.